Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the podcast, Making a Disney Fan. I'm here with our very own, own Cogsworth. Cogsworth, you know, I thought it was going to be Cogsworth. I'm happy with that. All right, I'm glad you're happy with that. Cause, I want to hear you know, the explanation, though. Well, he's a stickler for details. Mm. That okay. sounds about right. Sure. All right, and, you know, we have our very own princess, you know, Belle, our bookworm, joining us. This one I gotta own, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I am Maurice. Maurice. Crazy old Maurice. The dad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. w- wacky sure. but supportive father figure. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's how I see you, my wacky supportive father figure. No, you're welcome. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Oh, you're making me feel older now. Maybe I did that to myself. <laughs> you're not that much older than me. I know, but at at university I felt really old. That's fair. Because I was like 24 or whatever at at some points, and there was like 17-year-olds at at the dorms. It was just like, ugh. You did fall asleep in a sunbeam more than once. Those sunbeams (laughs) were very wonderful, and they were glorious. I just felt wonderful. I'm just saying, it dates you. (laughs) Yeah. So, in case anybody is just tuning in, we are t- going to be talking about Beauty and the Beast. So, one thing to note about our movie choice is that for modern movies, we actually ended up skipping over one. Skipping over uh, Rescuers Down Under. Now, this is a special choice because we are not going to do a sequel before doing the original. I'm sorry to my brother that we are... Not doing that film at this time. It's gonna hurt some Disney purists. I, I know, like. I know. I think they Especially... can understand our reasoning, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, and we're gonna kick off with some memories about this film. Uh, Sarah, do you have any memories on this one? I don't have specific memories for this one. I honestly, my memories of childhood very vague. It's really weird. Um, I blame it on getting hit in the head with a rock when I was a kid. Don't remember a lot of stuff. So I went to my sister and I said, hey, what's my earliest memory of Beauty and the Beast? And she said she searched the archives and she doesn't remember either. But the main thing that comes to mind when I think of this movie is my sister because it's one of her favorites. So I have seen it a lot because she loves it so much. So to me, it is a classic for my household and I've always really liked it too. So... That's about all I've got. All right. Fair. And Brandon? Um, <clears throat> Beauty and the Beast, for me, mostly centered around my sister. Um, it was, I think, my sister's favorite Disney movie. Um, not too sure, to be completely honest. But I know she liked it quite a bit. I personally did not watch it very much. Um, I know I watched it, like, at least a few times when I was around her. Like, because we were siblings you know we're not often far apart mm. but um like i know as i've seen it a bunch but i had no real attachment to the movie 
and to be honest like I ended up forgetting a lot of details of the movie I can't really say there's much in the way of memories for this one alright my memories I think my biggest memory of it is there's this one scene in the movie that I just found hysterical that as a kid that I actually rewound it and just like laughed my butt off <laughs> so much to it and that's in like the climax and the you know the enchanted objects are fighting the humans and the dog runs into the kitchen and then there's like this horror scene of like the knives fly up and then the the chef goes like <laughs> and then just absolutely terrifies them I just thought that was the most hysterical thing in the world yeah, it was funny. Uh, I might be you know pushing myself on one of my favorite things even now it's just but it's just one of those things I remember even I was like I I swear I was 10 or something and this was a moment that I just repeated like twice at least at that point uh, later memories on this film it became a very big part in my life because my brother's wife is absolutely obsessed with this movie okay. and had been for like, her entire, entire I feel life. like a lot of like girls our age ended up being obsessed with this movie. Yes, yeah. but she named her daughter Isabel. Yeah, Is it because of that? Yes, definitely. Oh, that's cool. And I she had so that. many plush of it, and uh, and it's she's very vocal about how much <laughs> she loves that that movie. Like like seeing the live action one four or five times in theaters, mm. kind of deal. Right. Wow. I think I saw it once. I don't know if I've seen it since. I have not seen it. Yeah. You just reminded me of another later memory. Oh, well, let's hear it. Uh, I, along with friend Adam Marshall, sang Beauty and the Beast at a wedding together in 2014. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. It was a surprise from the groom to the bride. We sang another song as well that she knew about. But she mm -hmm. didn't know we were going to sing Beauty and the Beast. So it was a surprise as they walked out at the end. Mm-hmm. cute. Yeah. I saw a video one time of, like, of a wedding thing where um, the groom, as a surprise to the wife, got Jody Benson to sing, like, a part of your world or something like that for at their wedding. Well, that taught just me like, singing. Well, I, I know. It's, <laughs> those, those really it's just something that, that I just thought of just now. No, no, I'm like, saying that's cool. That's, like... That is. That's, like, Whoa. That, that's going to be a long-lasting marriage. Yeah, you yeah. could get Sarah to sing, or you could get Jody Benson. I don't know. <laughs> Toss-up. <sighs> all right. So now that we got our memories all down-packed, we're going to pass it off to Brandon for our newbie recap. Now, Brandon, let's hear about what you have to say about this movie after not seeing it for years and years and years. Um, yeah. All right. What's up, guys? It's your boy talking about Beauty and the Beast. Um... So let's dive right into this, because it's actually an interesting one. The first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. I will throw that in there. That is big for me. I'm an Oscars guy. I love the Oscars. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, maybe that should have went in my like memories thing. I don't remember it being nominated for an Oscar. It I was just before you were born. Beauty and the Beast wasn't... Yeah, 1991. Before. Okay, it was before I was born, so you know what I it lost clearly to? don't remember. You know what movie it lost to? No. Silence of the Lambs. Okay, I, I would have known that if I thought on that a little more. But it's, okay, so I clearly don't remember it winning an Oscar, but like I do 
as like a fan of the Oscars, hold it like at least in a little bit of regard, being that it was the first animated film to be nominated in like the Best Picture category for a long time too. Yeah, for and a considerable so it, amount of time. Like, what was it, Wally that finally? No, it was Up. Up. Okay, oh, yeah, Up. That's like, and that was because ways. of the expansion. Yeah. When they moved it up to like ten films or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's cool. Um, nominated for an Oscar good on Disney they kind of get that little bit of recognition right in, like early on in their mm-hmm. renaissance period which is kind of good um, so it starts off with the classic intro kind of stained glass and it kind of goes through the story of the beast's like curse um, <laughs> I know like it comes after but it's very reminiscent of like Shrek for me <laughs> um, just like the storybook intro I mean it's not a book it's like mm-hmm. the, the pages uh, or stained glass but um so very Shrek-like intro goes over the story of how the Beast is cursed and I, essentially the Beast is like a prince who refused to help this old lady in exchange for a rose and the old lady turned out to be like a witch or a fairy or something and it like cursed him and his kingdom and turned like the entire kingdom into like darkness all the angel-like statues turned to gargoyles which I think is a weird touch but yeah um but yeah he becomes a beast and he keeps the rose and it's like enchanted and it will die on his 21st birthday and if he can't find love by his 21st birthday then he stays the beast also this curse affects like everybody so all of his like servants and stuff become like candles and clocks like Cogsworth and Lumiere and all Mm -hmm. of them um, so that's also like important to note. Like everyone in the castle is kind of alive, kind yeah. of a person. They all move, they all talk, they all have their own thing. So there is a definitely like there is definitely a sentience to them. It's which like is, sorry, really high expectations to make someone fall in love by the time they're twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really young. <laughs> yeah, and then like even when you put that into the context of the whole like this story specifically, like this whole movie takes place over like three days. Yeah. Like it's 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 something else for how fast this story moves, but mm-hmm. it doesn't flow terribly. Um, so we go to the village and we meet Belle for the first time, and she's like shopping or doing something. She sings a song that is forever burned into my head. <laughs> um, I don't remember how it goes, but it's like the I wanna something in the great white somewhere, mm-hmm. and like I only know that song. Because I used to work at a pawn shop right before I came to Booth, and they had a set playlist of music videos that would play with advertisements on the TVs during the day. And there was like three different packages, but they were only like, I'd say like an hour long, probably, maybe 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that song was one of them, so I had to hear it like 30 times a day when I was working. Interesting. Maybe not 30 times a day, but, like, over 10. And it is just... It killed me. It killed me. So I immediately detest this song. That's reasonable. Yeah, I don't... I don't, like... Admittedly, I don't think it's out of place, and I think it kind of sets up Belle really well, so I can't knock it too much, but I will never forgive that song for what it's done to me. (laughs) Um... So she's like, yeah, she's shopping, and the whole village is just on her, calling her, like, strange and weird. And this is basically just on the basis that she reads books. Yeah. 
Like, does nobody in this village read books? Apparently. Women don't. Of course, of course not. Like, basically, like, the general understanding of Belle by the people is that she's, like, hot but crazy. Yeah. Which, because like, she reads. Yeah. She reads. She's very attractive. They all agree on that. But she's strange because she reads. She's yeah. crazy. Well, women are not allowed to get ideas in their heads. So no, of course not. You can't read books. No, and I mean, Belle's not, like, crazy or anything. She's literally just your typical book nerd. Yeah. Like, I, I have a feeling she is, like, if she was alive today, she'd be a Harry Potter fan. Like, she's well, just, like, your very typical, like, book nerd. That, that, that's why they got Hermione to play her. I, I guess. I don't understand why she's considered so strange in her, like, community. Like, what's the huge deal? You have to remember that this is also the time that they were burning witches. Well, I guess, but are you a witch just because you can read? No, they're not suggesting she's a witch. They didn't want women to do stuff like that because they want them to just accept that their place is to get married and have babies and take care of their husband. Like what Gaston mm -hmm. is expecting. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. all about control <laughs> control of the female. Yeah. Which that makes we're sense. getting back to now, but we don't need to yeah. get into that. <laughs> but <laughs> that brings us to Gaston. Mm -hmm. He is the biggest douchebag of all Disney villains. I think you can say that like Disney villains are bad and like Ugh. with he might not be the worst Disney villain, but he is the biggest douchebag of all the villains. I concur. He's <laughs> awful. And like, Heads you down. can see him in real life now. I think that's mm -hmm. one of the biggest things. Yeah. Like, he's a realistic villain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, he's, he's just a, he's a Yeah. And like, he is in love with Belle, but clearly only because she's hot. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, he no. like, takes books out of her hands. He's in love and... at Belle. He's in love at Belle. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a very good way to say it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, only because of her looks. And he keeps saying things like, oh, I deserve the best and, like, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, like, Gaston is the kind of guy that I feel like calls himself an alpha male and then complains that he's in, like, friend zone with all the girls he's trying to, like, get with. Um... He just strikes me as that kind of dude, you know? Like, mm. he's that... He's a douche. Um, and he climbs on people's roofs to get, like, ahead of Belle to, like, trap her, essentially, into yeah. this whole... What is he, trying to do, like, a meet-cute? Have they met before? Yes. They have met before? Like, oh, they yeah. understand? It's a small it's, village. Yeah, it's not a very big place. Yeah. And so, like... Yeah, she's trying to read. He steals her book. I don't know. Another, okay, another question with Gaston here. Why Belle? Why specifically Belle? There's clearly, like, they have those, like, three sisters that are, like... The Bimbets. Their curves are all accentuated. They're, oh. like, blonde. They're, yeah. like... Apparently they're called the Bimbets. The Bimbets? Yeah, that's what they're called. Oh. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's funny. But apparently... She is the best, and he deserves the best. Yeah, everyone in her song is talking about how she's the prettiest girl in but town. Is she the best if everyone thinks she's crazy? Cause, but he doesn't so. care about that because he only cares about he the He probably look. figures he can get the crazy out of her. Like it well, never works. Well, you have to remember the Barney Stinson scale. You know, you got the 
You got the, you know, how crazy can they be, but, but as opposed to how hot they are. That's that's fair. I guess mm-hmm. if we're bringing if we're bringing Barney Stinson into this, <laughs> I think Gaston doesn't see her as crazy. He sees uh, her as wayward. Because he's, he's like, a hunter. Oh, I can teach her how uh. to be the proper woman. I I'll stop her from getting distracted by books and stuff and getting ideas in her head, and I'll show her how to just be my happy yeah, little wife. That, I, I can see that. He's that, that arrogant. Makes a lot of sense. That like changes things a bit. Yeah. Yeah, like much, oh, much worse. Much, like, much worse. Doesn't yeah. change things in the positive. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, everything that you think of about him. Yeah. I'm like just going to keep talking worse, a, a little bit person. just about Gaston. Yeah, go. Okay, so the thing about Gaston is that, like you were saying, Sarah, is that he is a real world villain. And with the world that we live mm-hmm. in, like even today, this is the kind of person that you would hear the phrase, boys will be boys. This is, oh, Gaston's just being a, a male. He's just getting himself out there. He's, oh, you know, don't mind him. Like, even Maurice says it at, at one point. It's just like, oh, what about that Gaston? And, like, he's a yeah. good-looking fellow. And just like, and then, you know, Belle can see right through him. And yeah. just like, oh, he's conceited <laughs> and, you know, rude and just not for me. And, but that's But that's the thing. With Gaston, it's one of those... It's a character that everybody knows because everyone has met one. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Gaston. He's just, mm. a, he's just a dick. But she leaves him eventually. She goes... We get, we get to meet her dad for the first time. Um, that's... Maurice. Maurice. That is Zach's character today. <laughs> which is very fitting of all the ones. That is a very... That is a very fitting choice for you today. <laughs> I enjoy that. I'm glad. Um, but he's just like the crazy inventor. Kind of reminded me of that... Um, they call him like the weasel or something in Atlantis. Oh, Mole. Like, mole, yeah. He kind of reminded me of like that kind of similar like mm. character model, but he's funny. He's trying to like fix this invention. Sure. It's this like wood chopping machine. She's like talking to him about like how she's alone or something like that. He's like, "Well, about Gaston." That's when he suggests it. She's like, "No." Mm-hmm. Um, so he basically he comes up with this wood chopping machine. He turns it on and it works. So he's like, "He's like, I'm out. I'm gonna take this wood chopping machine to the fair where I guess like either he sells it or." wins a competition with it for money i'm guessing that's kind of kind of his source of income mm-hmm. um but he gets mm-hmm. he gets lost in the woods um he's got his horse which is like, named like philippe or something Woo! give yeah. the man a prize booyah <laughs> um so he's got his <laughs> horse philippe and the horse is like trying to go back or something or trying to lead him in a different direction but he's like no we have to go this way so he, in typical like, cartoon fashion. Exactly. Like that's like that's a thing actually. Animals seem to know what's up in Disney movies. Like they like mm-hmm. they always seem to know. But yeah, nobody the fish ever listens. Run away to from Monstro, the Yeah. The, the horse tries to go in the right direction. Yeah, like nobody ever listens to yeah. horses or animals in Disney movies and it always leads them the wrong way. Which is a way that is surrounded by wolves, which I didn't remember there being wolves. I mean, I guess I didn't remember much about this movie, but, like, wolves were in the picture now. That was a part of the story. Um, He tries to, like, run away from the wolves, but he almost, like, runs off a cliff, and he, like, his horse runs away, and it's just him. So he's, like, 
running from the wolves still and he runs into the castle like he stumbles upon the castle so he goes in and he tries to like go inside and then he meets like Lumiere and Cogsworth who like argue about whether or not they should keep him or like whether or not the like the beast is going to be mad so Lumiere like I don't know Lumiere is kind of like a slimy dude like it's almost like he's trying to get into trouble like he's like no let's bring him in Cogsworth like yo beast isn't gonna like this and he's like no let's do it anyway <laughs> um, so he like brings him in, sits him in like the yeah. beast's like special chair or something like that. Um, so the beast comes in, and he like basically threatens the dad and drags him off to be his prisoner. Yeah, this this is where we meet Mrs. Potts and Chip, who I have a lot of questions about. Just we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I thought I first saw some of these these holes being poked at. Yeah. Um so yeah, Beast comes in, Cogsworth kind of sells everyone out. He freaks out, goes to like basically kill the dad, drags him away. Um then we go we uh we go back to Gaston who is I wrote this out. I probably I'm not going to say the word, but as a Gaston plans a wedding like oh, a creepy yes. little person. Um, he just straight a up big person. Yeah, yeah, creepy big person. I was just, I, yeah. Um, who plans a wedding without anybody knowing? Like, what? What just, like, is that? Surprise the girl with the wedding. Just show up at her door and be like, "We're getting yeah, married." Yeah, yeah. Like, That's not good. We're fly. getting married right now. <laughs> like, the, like I love the line where it's just like. I, you know, welcome you all to my wedding. Yeah. Now I guess I better go and propose to the girl. And everybody's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Gaston, was... you're so great. Just like, yeah. Uh, that, that goes with, like, that again, goes with the boys will be boys aspect of what the, like, the entire village oh, is yeah. playing on with him. I guess, yeah. Like, they all seem to just be totally down with whatever he's doing. Yeah, enamored it's, with him. It's not good. He gives me, like, major, like, oh, rapey absolutely. vibes. Especially when he then corners like... her in her house. Ugh. Yeah, like what? <laughs> Who even is this villain in like early '90s Disney films? The thing is, is that that's not even the most rapey Disney villain of them all. No, but it's like he's basically like the definition of toxic masculinity. Yeah, I have that in my notes too. Like, like hands yeah. down, that was like I'm not sure if that was a concept back then, but this is basically the what definition. It, what it is? Of it. Yeah. Um. So. Bell like turns down his wedding invitation and like has like this classic sound of music moment where she like sings on a hill and um yeah it's very Julie Andrews very Julie Andrews yeah like she like has a spin with the wind and everything it's yeah. it's a very sound of yeah. music moment um but then Philip comes back Philip the horse Philippe the fine. Well, you had it right the first time when you said it, so we have to correct you because you said it before. It's okay, the okay. Only, I'll take it. Like it's a French place. The only thing about it that's actually French yeah. is their names. So we gotta keep the French names. Yeah. That's that's and, true. And that's actually a very good question. They seem to speak English except for only the French words that almost every English-speaking person yeah. would know. Yeah. Bonjour. <laughs> He's like, is this, this yeah. isn't even French. Normally like, it would this? be like British accents in a French town. That's what we get now. Yeah. And now it's just straight American accents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
it. Yeah, that's that's something else. But it's okay. So Philippe came home and he like takes Belle to the castle, which I think is very interesting because Philippe never actually made it to the castle. When the dad gets lost, the horse abandons him before he like walks and finds the castle. So, but he was still in pretty close proximity. So, yeah, but it's made like pretty clear that the dad like walked a distance before finding yeah. this castle. Hmm. So, like, how does Philippe know where the castle is, and how does he know that he's in the castle and not just like dying of exposure in some creek, like a little ways the other direction? I gotta go with my animals. No answer. It's the magic of Disney. Oh. <laughs> magic of Disney is the worst answer in the world. Um, but sure, yeah. So Philippe the horse takes Belle to the castle, who just sneaks right in like a normal person, you know? Doesn't knock, doesn't like try to like get anyone's attention, just walks right in. Um, she sees all like the things. What do I call them? They're like living enchanted objects enchanted objects so she like sees all the enchanted objects and there's like dishes washing the dishes which i like i I question the sentience here like what is like are they just washing each other essentially like that is that like a well i mean the people that lived in the palace are some palace got turned into objects but they're still the objects that were previously objects so they're still inanimate plates as well is it a matter of some dishes are alive and some dishes aren't? I think so, because... And then w- yeah. why would only some of them be alive? Like, did the witch just get, like, tired and is like, I'll only curse, like, 40% of no, you No, because they had to eat off of dishes before they turned into dishes. So they have their original dishes plus the people who became dishes. Okay. That's how I see it. And, yeah, I, I agree with Sarah. Is there, there, I think there are some dishes that were not alive beforehand that became animated a little bit afterwards yeah there are a lot of enchanted objects there's only so many people that were in a castle yeah yeah that's true so one of them becomes a dog but was a dog beforehand i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> okay yeah so that's that was just a weird thing i thought dishes washing dishes but bell eventually goes and she finds her dad who tells her to like run away like don't stay here the beast is crazy or whatever and then the beast shows up and does his big old like beastiness and like roars and probably says some stuff, but really like the beast is almost at his most impactful when he just roars and like roars and stuff. Like he doesn't need to say much, but she like offers this whole like take me instead of my dad and the beast is just like very creepily like, Okay, but you have to stay here forever. And she's just like, Alright, I mean I don't see the reason to, um, but sure, she decides to uh, trade places to spare her crazy elderly father and spend the rest of her life um, living in a castle with a beast monster and living furniture. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh so basically she's got to come live with the beast um the beast lets the dad go and like feels bad for Belle like he has her in like the cell or the dungeon or whatever it is and then he decides to give her a room and she's all like scared of the gargoyles and everything um she's basically definitely not happy to be there 
Which, at this point in the movie, is like, you know what? Like, if these people fall in love by the end of the movie, it's not love. Like, it is 100% Stockholm Syndrome. Like, there is no way she comes in in this circumstances and falls in love naturally by the end of the film. Um, so that's the thing. Especially, like, he invites her to dinner, but does so. He's like, it is not a request! <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, you're not doing a very good job of wooing this, um person <laughs> this lady um which i mean is is fair he's been the beast for 10 years it says mm-hmm. so he's been the beast since he was 11 years old is 21 obviously by the end of the movie um well which actually brings up the question he has a he has a portrait of his like a curse regular person's man. face oh yeah how does he have that how does he have that portrait if he's been cursed since yeah. he was 11 i like what how yeah the, the, this this comes with the biggest plot hole of the film that that comes in and because you know, you're at the at end it. he's got the face he yeah. has on the portrait it means like this is a new yes. face like this no. is his freshly aged face yes believe me i have heard about this <laughs> this conundrum like, where did he get up. that portrait is this like a dorian gray situation is this i think like... so i think he was close like like I, I, I know that it's supposed to be on his 21st year, but I'm just going to say, like, he was that old and he's essentially, they became frozen in time. Like, with their enchantment. And then had to wait, at, you had, you know, essentially given the deadline of 10 years. Oh. I don't know. Interesting way to think about it. That is, that is my, my viewing of it. I know it doesn't 100% work. Yeah. But it's also a fairy tale. It fairy didn't explicitly say it, so I'm not sure if I'm going to hold to that. But believe me, if you go with class, like actual classic fairy tales, there's a lot bigger plot holes than this. That, that's yeah. that's true, yeah. <laughs> um, so she goes to her bedroom and has like the most dramatic fall in her bed, like oh. one of those classic like Hollywoods, like oh no, and like on her it's like bed. a Marilyn Monroe moment. Yeah, it was. It just I wrote it down because it was just kind of funny. It's it it's like, quite noteworthy. A like, number of Bell is so dramatic. I think I think Ariel had a similar yeah. moment too. On a rock. Maybe. Oh yeah, when like, she like fell on her rock or something. Yeah. yeah. And then it's just one of those things that happens a, a fair number yeah. with Disney princesses. It's like, man, you put yourself in this situation. Like, like, why are you so dramatic about it? Like, these are the consequences. Snow, Snow White had it too. Yeah. After, after she got terrified by trees. Are so, you telling like, me you guys don't pr- dramatically throw yourselves on your bed when you're upset? No, we are <laughs> strong, manly no, yeah. men. We don't do that. No. You go to your hunting lodge and <laughs> eat a dozen eggs. Kill small animals. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sure. yeah. <laughs> Fight mm, bears. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I arm wrestled yeah. a bear last week. <laughs> yeah. Checks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that was just funny. I like the dramatic fall in the bed. It's, like, very, like, classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Gaston and LeFou are in like a bar tavern tavern yeah and they're all like basically disgraced I'm guessing from her rejected proposal that's how he feels yeah like he feels disgraced and then like LeFou sings a song and this is where they have like that this is the like no one blank like Gaston song right correct this is just I wrote down here because this basically happens. I was like, there's no one LeFou wants to bang like Gaston. And that is my whole opinion of LeFou. Like, he gets treated like garbage the entire movie. 
but it's still just like all yeah. about Gaston. They really lean into that. Yeah, Lefou is hundred percent in live action. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. And it's yeah, so so much yeah. so that they banned the movie yeah. in Russia. And it's just that. <laughs> oh, so it's what don't they ban in Russia? I wrote down a specific lyric from the song that I didn't pick up on <laughs> any time before. Before, but when they yeah. come up with the whole plan for what they're going to do to Maurice, which I'm sure yeah. you're going to touch on, he says plans mm. to persecute harmless crackpots like Gaston. And I was like, oh, that's awful. Well, I like I like the line beforehand where it's just like LeFou, I'm afraid I've been thinking, and then LeFou says a dangerous pastime. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the uh, Like Gaston song, which is catchy, oh, I'll yeah. say. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. All the songs are catchy. Yeah, it's they're catchy. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken making music. You can't yeah. go Yeah. Um, Gaston, like, gets into, like, a bit of a fight. He, like, rips his shirt off. He's very hairy, which is just... Oh, that was weird. It's masculinity at its yeah. most toxic. Which is exactly what it is, but it's just like, I wasn't expecting it. It was just like, here's a chest full of Gaston. <laughs> and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. Um, but they're doing this whole dude, uh, this whole deal. Um, and Belle's dad comes like running into the bar for help. And he's telling them about like the beast and how it's got Belle, but they don't really believe him. So they kick that out. But then, like, Gaston kind of decides that he wants to, like, go for the beast in a way. Like, he's second thinking, second thinking stuff. Um, so, it goes back to the castle, and Belle learns that the furniture is alive. Which I think is really funny, because this is done by a wardrobe that, like, starts talking to her. Who's clearly just been standing in the corner of the room the whole time, like, waiting to say yeah. something. Like, <laughs> that poor like wardrobe is like should i should i say something bell's just crying on a bed um but sure so it's that's all alive well i would say that in that case it's like like medieval or renaissance servant yeah they're used to being called upon to before serving like yes because if you if they take like initiative and try to like like insinuate what somebody is weak or needs help, yeah. then they're you know they could be beaten. Fair, yeah. That's so that's kind of you know beaten into the servants. Yeah. At the time, I just thought that was funny. It was like clearly this thing's been like watching her this whole time. I wonder how long it took before she actually said something. I always just kind of took it as that she was asleep until Belle bumps into her and she wakes her up. Oh yeah, that could be. That would make sense. Um. Yeah, Mrs. Potts tells Belle that she's, like, brave for trading her life for her dad or whatever. Um, and then, like, the wardrobe sets to, like, get her dress, I guess. Like, give her clothing. Mm -hmm. Which made me wonder, why does this prince have a wardrobe full of women's clothing? That all seem to perfectly fit, by the way. It could be his mother's. They're not... She makes... That's, that's she pretty makes weird. The, for her. the wardrobe makes it. The wardrobe makes the yeah. clothing for her? So it's, like, seamstress... I didn't see that. I just saw her hand her clothing. Yeah, she makes her dresses. I'm pretty sure. Oh. I could be making things up. I mean, that would explain why yeah. they fit. I'm pretty sure she makes her dresses. I feel like there's a line yeah. about, like, let's see what I can whip up for you or something like that. Again, could be making hmm. this up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I just, I just thought that was, like, really weird because I didn't see her making it. But, yeah, okay. 
Um, so Belle decides not to come to dinner because she's all moody and just not down with it. And the Beast is not okay with that. He's all like flipping out. He runs up there and tries to get her to come down, but she still won't. And he like freaks out and he's like, fine, then she doesn't get to eat anything. Which is just like takes me back. It's like yep. the classic abusive parent thing. <laughs> like, well, believe me, I definitely feel for Beast in some of those moments yeah. as a parent. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, that like the like where those that, those that meme where it's just like, Go ahead and starve Yeah. I cooked you this wonderful meal and you don't want to eat it. Go ahead and starve then. Yeah. Yeah, I I just thought that's funny. He's got no patience. The Beast has no. no patience. Oh, he does not. Which is like, I mean, it makes sense because, like, who taught him how to associate with women, really? Like, the closest thing he's got to, like, a mentor in that category would be Lumiere, probably, because Lumiere is banging. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he's got like that feather duster and like I've been burned by yeah. you before. <laughs> yeah, like you know Lumiere's getting down and dirty like this whole movie. Mm-hmm. But how much can you learn from a candlestick? <laughs> like, like how how can Lumiere teach him how to talk to women? But no, he decides to starve her. That seems like the logical um, path. So that's what she does. Um, middle of the night, she comes down. She's all hungry. And Lumiere is like, let us make you food. And then they sing Be Our Guest, which is probably like the most famous song from oh, Beauty definitely. and the Beast. Like, By far. I, I'd say like you could challenge that maybe with the Beauty and the Beast song, but like hmm. I think Be Our Guest is probably the most notable. It's the only one I remembered being hmm. a thing. It's the biggest show oh, yeah. tune. Yeah. So it's 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 the the crowd pleaser, it's the one that, that they would use in like most of the advertising like yeah. It's in all the commercials. Be our guest. And... Yeah. Yeah, it's like a very recognizable song. It's fun. There was a moment in it where they like do like fireworks of the Eiffel Tower. And I had to be like, wait, 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 wait. What era of France <laughs> is this in? Because I'm almost 100% sure it, it takes place before the Eiffel Tower Ooh. was built. Was there? I don't like, remember. I don't this remember has got to be Tower. older France. And, like, there's an Eiffel Tower, like, firework thing or something during Be Our Guest. And mm-hmm. it is like, homie, Eiffel Tower was not around at that time. It just wasn't. I don't remember that, but the Eiffel Tower. It's, it's there. Beauty and the Beast takes place in the mid-1700s. So, okay, so sixteen mid-1600s. There was no Eiffel Tower in the 1600s. There's oh, yeah, no with the way. There is oh, no way. I'm seeing this now. Holy crap, I didn't actually the notice Eiffel that. Eiffel Tower should be in this movie. 1887, yeah. No way. No, you're right. It's like the yeah, Jack no. Nicholson impression yeah, that, yeah. in Aladdin. Oh. It's just there's no way it yeah, should no, be there. Right. There's so much in Aladdin that shouldn't be there. That's true. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely dive into yeah, that. Yeah, we one. got we got a bit before we go into Aladdin, but no, not long. Oh yeah, but anyway, so like Eiffel Tower, that's annoying. But let's be real, the song is pretty good. Like that's just uh, that's like a nitpicky thing for me. The the song is it's it's a classic. Let's be real mm-hmm. on that one. Um, Belle loves the song because honestly, who doesn't? Um, she convinces Cogsworth to go into a tour. They do this by like playing to Cogsworth like pride yeah. and stuff, and finally agrees to take them on a I, tour. I love the line. It's just like, oh, and you know every fact about this castle, don't you? And just like. <laughs> 
I do yeah. actually. She knows how to yeah. charm people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she like yeah, basically kind of manipulates Cogsworth into taking her on this tour. And basically she like sneaks into the West Wing. Um, I made a note that there's no Martin Sheen in that West Wing. I was a little disappointed. Um, there isn't even a long tracking conversation walk scene. Yeah, they could have thrown an it's Easter egg in. The Beast, right? Like, the... Well, this was before West Wing existed. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, the beast was just moody in like a really disaster of a room. Like, room was trash. So, like, is this just where he goes to get angry every day? Which, I mean, fair. It's his castle. He can do whatever he wants with. But to have a room where you just, like, hulk out, yeah. kind of cool. Um, yeah, this is where I, this is where I questioned the painting mostly when I first. This is where yeah. I saw it, and I was like, how does this dude have this painting? Um, but whatever. Belle finds the rose. And it's all, like, kind of wilting a little bit. And the beast, like, loses his mind, freaks out on her, tries to, like, backhand her a bunch of time and just destroys more of the room. Which, I mean, I guess they're in the right room for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, like, destroys a bunch of the room. Um, And Belle, like, is like, I can't have this, I'm leaving, and then leaves. Um, Which I have to wonder... Why didn't she just leave in the first place if she could just walk out the door? Yeah, I got a point on that. Because she was bored as all heck in the Mm. village. I guess, yeah. And it's an enchanted castle that just prepared a a feast with a a huge song number. I guess, but you're a prisoner. Yeah. Like, you'd think you wouldn't want to be a prisoner, but anyway. So she can just leave, apparently. She's like, she's good. Fine. Um, She leaves, and Philippe is there course i guess he just waited sure <laughs> just, loyal horse what's your thought i'm not gonna move i'm just gonna stay here for a bit um so she leaves but um there are wolves yep w- wolves are the major issue so she kind of gets like chased down by wolves and like knocked off her horse or something and the beast comes in for the save which is kind of like where we switch to like good guy beast for the rest of the movie he like fights off these wolves and stuff but then he gets like bit a bunch and um passes out and then she like saves him and this is this is the moment i wrote down stockholm Mm -hmm. sets in this is this is where she's like for some reason i just ran away from this guy because he tried to backhand the out of me like i just he was trying to kill me almost but now I love him because he like he got bit by a wolf or something. Also, how does she get him onto her horse? Oh, that's a big. That's a good question. Like he is yeah. huge. Uh, they address this twice, in, both in the live action movie and in the play, where she literally has a line that says, "I need you to get up. I can't lift you." But in mm. this, he seems to be unconscious. Does he not? Yeah, I, I, under, he I is understand. One hundred percent unconscious. And. So essentially, yeah, it's yeah impossible. Well, either that or Belle so can lift. It was so impossible that they had to address it in later ver- later yeah. Disney versions. That's fair. <laughs> yes, because yeah, that is because he is he's a mm-hmm. big beast, and there's no way she could lift him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Stockholm syndrome sets in, and she takes him back to the castle. She's like, "I'm gonna stay here with you now. I'm gonna like help the cuts." They argue. 
like he's being all like whiny but she kind of puts him in his place which is good um she thanks him for saving her life and he like you're welcome um and then Gaston makes this like really shady deal to have Belle's mom or Belle's dad committed in the asylum unless Belle agrees to marry him she's just like I, I don't know I got words but it's pretty much just continuing the the, the thought of Gaston is like this yeah. guy's a d- like, yeah he is um but sure so that is a thing the dad sets off to find the castle and the like Gaston sets off to find the dad Beast like falls in love with her and he's like acknowledges this to Lumiere uh, Cogsworth and- Cogsworth and Lumiere um, they have like this like really good talk and he decides he wants to do something for her so he shows her the library and it is a huge yeah. library which honestly bro like you should have started with that like if you were like well you know like this girl is clearly like a bookworm smart uh, he wouldn't know this from because he, he didn't actually have conversations with her the only from at this point the only time the only indication that she likes books was when she perked up when they were trying to distract her from the West Wing. Yeah, that's that's true. So that's, that's you have a library? Fair. Like that's the only indication. Yeah, that's that's fair. Okay, I'll, I'll give him that. But yeah, finally takes her to the library and she's like, "I love it." Also, who's gonna climb that high for Belle. a book in the library? Bell, Bell will. Like, I would. Whatever. Whatever. I I don't think I don't she's climbing I would just to the go up there just because it's fun to climb, but <laughs> I'm a monkey. Um, yeah, so they're like in the library, and they start singing this song while they're like feeding birds, I guess. <laughs> and he's being like all good to the birds, so I guess she's just like, I'll just overlook the kidnapping. Um, <laughs> this is like they're falling in love now, and this is where I really had to consider the question, like. Is this bestiality? Like, it, he's literally yeah. a beast. It's what we call him in the title. I think in some ways it's the, like, it's the souls. Like, because it's, it's just a different thing. Like, she might, she's having feelings, but, you know, she's not acting upon the feelings because it, it's, like... Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't she, do she's been shown to She's been shown to be before to understand somebody's true purpose also like yeah. she sees through guest guest yeah, on and as she well. sings the words strange and a bit alarming she's aware yeah, like she's messed like, up i like i think she's realizing mm-hmm. that she's like falling in love with an animal mm-hmm. and she's co- like considering what she's considering mm-hmm. yeah. with an animal yeah um well it's not a standard thing like it's a you know lot large complex thoughts yeah it's it's and by like, the definition of bestiality BC, is is like something that is clearly an animal animals don't have have those kinds of complex thoughts i guess yeah he's i think it, like we call him yeah. the beast mm-hmm. i think i think i think it's just it's just the thoughts that i think it would just <laughs> it depend is, it on is. the nature of their relationship too exactly yeah but With they're it. clearly falling in love so she's clearly falling in love for him in beast form yeah but she's um, clearly relieved like, when he turns into a human that's that's true. I yeah. mean, who wouldn't be? <laughs> um, but they like they sing around the castle, and all like the enchanted objects are just watching them, and like they're just gonna watch them get down. 
See my question? They're just so happy that he's um, falling in love and they get to be people again soon. Yeah, but that's so weird. Like, that brings, like, why live in an enchanted castle if, like, everything you have can watch you, like, you know, get down. And they're not it. doing that yet. <laughs> but, I mean, like, they're... They're yeah. emotionally. They're, they're, they're about to, it seems like. At least in this part of the movie. They're very... Seems like they're going to be about to. Um, but then they change into their classic, like, Beauty and the Beast outfits from, like, every DVD or VHS cover... The blue coat, yellow dress, and they sing the Beauty and the Beast song, which is rather nice. It's romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it just, yeah, it just, it, it, it all feels real quick. Like, again, this whole thing takes place in like two yeah. days, three days. So, like, she went from like being a, a prisoner to falling in love with them and dancing in a ballroom with, like, mm-hmm. real quick, real quick. So. She's all super happy, but he, she, oh, he's like super happy, but she's not super into it. He's like, "What's wrong?" And she's like, "Oh, I just wish I could see my father." So he gives her a mirror to like see him, and she like sees him, and he's in trouble. So she wants to like leave. So she like leaves to go find her father, and then the end. He ends up getting like committed by by the uh, by the person. Asylum. Asylum, yeah, like the person I was trying to figure out his name, but he's just. I, I, it's not a name that yeah, even I remember offhand. The asylum guy, I guess, comes. And I know like, the actor, but comes and like takes him away. Oh yeah, when she like she runs out, Chip is like in her bag, and um, Gaston offers to like save the dad if she marries him. Like she makes his makes his dirty uh, dirty thing. I have it written down here. Gaston is the monster. It's like that's where I'm at oh, at yeah. this point. Like mm-hmm. he's. He's just the worst. Well, he, yeah, she leave, she literally yeah. says it to his face. Yeah. Um, and then she's trying to, like, save her dad and be like, he's not crazy. So she's, like, uses the mirror to be like, show me the beast. And then Gaston gets everyone to go and kill, like, the beast. And there's this, like, evil Gaston song. And they all got their, like, pit, tor- like torches and pitchforks and stuff. And um, <laughs> there's a line here. Where Gaston, they break into the castle, or whatever, and he's like, "Take whatever booty you can mm-hmm. find." Mm-hmm. I know it's not what he's talking about, but uh, it, it it was fun for me. <laughs> um, but the beast is like way too moody. Like they're attacking the castle, and he's just being a sad boy up in his like destroyed room. And then like Chip somehow figures out on his own how to run that like wood chopping machine from the mm-hmm. beginning that I thought would never have anything to do with the story but comes back into play and like pretty awesomely yeah basically like saves everyone um and like frees Belle and her dad but I'm, I'm a little confused like how does he not break like Chip is very strong like how do these things not break the a lot of these items are living beyond their means is mm-hmm. all i'm saying so cogsworth cogsworth's got this like hat on like a napoleon. Cap, like a napoleon hat yeah uh, i don't actually remember much around that but i really like that oh it's pretty awesome it's it's really <laughs> hilarious just like how french can you get wear a yeah. napoleon hat in charge yeah um but gaston he like comes up and he finds the beast uh she, like shoots him with arrows and the beast doesn't care he's all like do it anyway i'm all emo probably like listening to my chemical romance or something like he's just being a sad beast you know 
Um, but then Bell shows up and he hears her, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, now it's the time to fight." And like, B- Bell rides her horse through the castle, and then Gaston and Beast have this like really badass fight, and Beast holds Gaston like over the ledge, like by his throat, like choke holding him over the ledge. Uh, but he can't let him go now because the beast has feelings. Um, so he just like puts him down and climbs up to go like save Belle from wherever she is. And he gets stabbed and they have that like really classic like you came back line. Mm-hmm. Which I just, <laughs> sure that's awesome. Um, well that, that goes into your favorite movie. Yeah. Titanic. That's true. <laughs> so I have that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Beast, he got stabbed and all that, so he dies. And he gives it like, at least I got to see you one last time, which is just hella corny, mm-hmm. but okay. I'm down for that. Um, Belle cries and like finally confesses her love just as the last like rose petal drops and everybody's sad because they didn't make it in time. But then like magic rays come up from the sky and the Beast like lifts up and he's got like laser fingers from his and like laser toes even and like and then he like changes into a human the, the transformation sequence is really yeah. brilliant it was cool like it, it was like considering this was hand drawn yeah like it was definitely cool um i question how his clothes still fit <laughs> i think oh. they're kind of, they're they're pretty darn loose but yeah you're definitely right this is this is almost hulk level yeah like it's just his clothes still like he would be He'd be almost naked because that shirt yeah. would just be huge. Like, yeah, I, I concur. I there's concur. There's no way. Also, like, he must be so cold right now with oh, no yeah. fur. That's my <laughs> thought. Like, could you imagine spending like ten years as a giant furry beast and then suddenly having no fur anymore? Uh, um, man, yeah, that would that'd be crazy. So they're in love. Belle and the Beast are in love. There's magic fireworks that turn the castle back into a good place. All Who the could gargoyles. say that their first kiss literally caused the fi- fireworks? Not many people. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> literally, many people. first kiss, fireworks. Yeah. So, yeah, fireworks turn the castle. All the gargoyles go back to angels and stuff. Um, and they just keep on dancing in that same, in those mm-hmm. same clothes, you know. Um, and that's the movie. They dance till. Till the end, pretty much. They got married, I'm guessing. Like, <laughs> real quick. Like, within three days would be my guess. Because that's how long <laughs> the movie takes place. So here's, here's, here's something that I'm dying about right now. Mrs. Potts and mm-hmm. Chip, right? So, she has one, one thing. And it's like, oh, all of your, like, si- siblings or whatever. And we see other cups with faces and like handle nose and stuff Mm -hmm. a why does she favor chip so much like why is chip so special that she just doesn't give a crap about the rest of her kids and b like where are the rest of her kids (laughs) uh you do see them at one point when when he's getting put to sleep yeah and he's like i'm not tired but like they don't do anything i i agree but okay here's my my take on mrs potts with that in that regard um she seems older right yeah at the very end she looks like a like a yeah. grandmother age yep so uh taking into account that th- at this time period there's a lot of sickness and death right yeah i'm gonna my conclusion is that 
she's sort of like the resident mother of 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 children without parents hmm. anymore. And and my thing would be that Chip is actually her grand grandchild. So then so then that would be her favorite as opposed to the others because those ones are not actually blood related and those and she is the resident mother who takes care of the of the servant children who do not have parents. Okay. So why did the beast before becoming the beast when he was just a prince have so many random children around his castle? Uh, feudal responsibility. Feudal responsibility? Huh. My take on it is he's the youngest and he just keeps coming and following her around. But the other kids are old enough that they're like, ah, I don't need to follow mom around. I can do my own thing. That's fair. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it also saves time with yes. animation. Yeah, but like she clearly doesn't care about her other kids. Mm-hmm. Like, not one bit. Um, it's good. <laughs> I think I think it's a lot better than The Little okay. Mermaid. Um, I agree. In terms of like modern, like the modern category. Uh, I'm a huge fan of a lot of the camera angles they like they worked with. Well, yeah, especially uh, the the visual effects that they used in the Beauty and the Beast uh, dance scene. Yeah, because that like was the, the the massive computer yeah uh, technology that right. was utilized for it. Yeah, I think it was good. Um, I'm not gonna say though, like it had much of an impact on me actually. Mm. Okay, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. All right, so on to deep dive Disney with myself. So first thing I'm going to talk about that has to be talked about with Beauty and the Beast is music, music, and music. <laughs> in my opinion, the music in this one is far superior to Little Mermaid. The lyrics are astounding. The songs are all relevant to, to the plot. Like I, You look at, at Little Mermaid and Under the Sea has no bearing to the plot whatsoever. Uh, like at that moment you know Sebastian's trying to get her to understand like oh it's wonderful to be out here and then she leaves halfway before the song's even done yeah I personally true. disagree yeah. but we can have different opinions but it's just <laughs> it's just one of those things but in this one every single song has bearing on the plot like the beginning is the introduction to the world that, that she is in I mean the the brilliance of of the song Belle uh, is is a, is wonderful because of the amount of parts that are in it and how they they coalesce and like I know a lot of people that as soon as the song comes on they just you know they start putting on the voices and start singing along and it's just hilarious but it's it's awesome at the same time yeah um, and then you know the song Gaston they use the the lyrics in it are just really cool I mean like who uses expectorating yeah. in a song yeah Gaston shouldn't even know what that word means <laughs> that's true Gaston is quite uneducated. Uh, yeah, but it's just looking at those at those songs is is really cool and and again uh, the other song like the falling in love song the something there is really good and Beauty and the Beast of course is is amazing and and Be Our Guest they all have bearing on the plot well Be Our Guest is probably the least bearing on the plot but it's still it's a showstopper I guess the showstoppers are, seem to have the least bearing yeah on the plot. Yeah. Uh, out of them, because Be Our Guest is just a yeah. dinner song. Yeah. Um, but you throw in the the lyrics for it are great. The melodies are, are awesome, and but the scores as well. Like I have 
a bunch of these the Beauty and the Beast scores on my Disney playlist because they're really good. Like the moment where she's getting attacked by wolves and stuff is it's pretty intense. Yeah. And just you feel it and it just brings up the intensity and it's a really yeah. good in score. In the notes I was making while I was watching it, I wrote uh hang on, let me read what I actually wrote down. It says score, <laughs> perfect from the start, gives me feels. It's like Well yeah, literally, even at starts. like at the beginning, like <laughs> as soon yeah, as soon as the music starts with the introduction with that uh with yeah. the castle scene. And that also I gotta talk about like that opening with the with the stained mm-hmm. glass. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, I also wrote it that down. And it's a yeah. it's a, a great variation on the classic opening because book like yes, mm-hmm. the books are great. Like you know, reading the books, but throwing in changing it to stained glass is really good. Yeah. But apparently Howard Ashman really didn't want oh. that. Uh, he really wanted to just be like traditional animation mm-hmm. to do for for the introduction. Uh, but yeah, they just said no and just did it this way, and it was just like, yeah, that was one of those times that Ashman was wrong yeah. with with that. Um, yeah. Then there's also the tavern where they're making like the uh, the plan to you know uh, put a, Maurice mm-hmm. in the asylum. Yeah. Do you think it's the same tavern as the last movie with like the coachman? Like, it definitely no. feels feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, no, they're in different places. I know they're in different places, yeah. but it feels like the same tavern. Maybe they borrowed some animation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just some some space designs. So it's just like, oh, we got a shady deal going down. We gotta <laughs> bring up, bring this back up. Oh, and that brings me to uh, yeah, the the asylum guy. I know you're probably gonna talk about about no, this. No, you can take it, Sarah, with the. The voice actor for that one, Tony J. He is amazing. Oh. The one amazing voice actor. Hmm. Um, he's gonna be in a in a future Disney film, my favorite, uh, Hunchback mm-hmm. of Notre Dame. Okay. So he is the villain in that one, and he literally is just like, they put him in this role, and they're just like, holy cow, this guy is creepy as all heck. Make him a full blown Disney villain for an entire film, <laughs> and apparently. Uh, I I heard that he did audition for the role and he did like two different mm-hmm. takes and he didn't even do re- for the recording they just used his audition <laughs> for his lines and it was just like holy cow uh, other roles that Tony J did was um, Megabyte in Reboot okay and uh, he did a couple of other Disney ones uh, I think he played Shere Khan in Tailspin it was <laughs> And uh, the Jungle Book too, but yeah, he's pretty. It's just one of those voices that's just like, mm-hmm. ooh. Since I'm gonna Shivers be honest with you, when I like, I don't put every single cast member when I do the cast part of the fun facts, and I forgot mm-hmm. about him because he's not a huge part, so I didn't have anything about him. No, he's not. When you brought him up earlier, as we've been talking tonight, I was like, oh crap, I gotta look up Tony J. So I've got his IMDb open on my phone, um, <laughs> but that brings me to. <laughs> we can know his name now his name is monsieur dark but like french like d apostrophe a r q u e darker (laughs) so so he's literally a dark character i don't know if that's how you say it i am not Uh, french but all right um but yeah that that's just i love 
that just that voice is just the perfect villain oh, yeah. voice. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah, I just really really like that. And it's just like you got this role in a, in his in Beauty and the Beast, and it's essentially an audition for a, a full blown Disney mm-hmm. villain role, and just worked. Yeah. Um, then yeah, I, I have this other thing about. Gaston, real world villain, toxic masculinity. We've talked about that yeah. a fair bit. Yeah. But I'm going to segue that into what I think is probably one of the most brilliant things about mm-hmm. this film that we haven't talked about yet, and that is the mob song. That's Gaston's evil song. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it is brilliant because it is such a good representation of what a mob can be like. Right how a mob can be stirred up by people that can be considered good yeah by somebody who is charismatic mm-hmm. and doesn't have their best interests at heart and to top it off gives them something else or other to fear right mm. that is the biggest thing of a yeah. mob giving them an other and that is especially true today oh totally. yeah like we are living in a day where people have stormed the freaking Capitol building. Yeah. yeah. Based off of this kind of mentality. So, I just have to say that this was done 20, or thir- nearly oh, 30 years before this. Mm-hmm. Like, before, before this, this, that event occurred. And it's still encapsulate exactly what this can happen, what a mob mentality can be like. And even so, we uh, went into, when they were in, and you said the grab whatever booty you can find, and be, but remember the beast is mine. But they even show something like that. They show a moment in the film where there's a guy with the feather duster and ripping the feathers off. Yeah. And it's just like, things get out of control. And just... And people go just devolve in this kind of aspect, and it's just one of those things. But I have to go further in and go into the actual lyrics of this film, of this of this song, where it's, there's a moment where it says, "We don't like what we don't understand," and uh, frankly scares us, and this monster is mysterious mm-hmm. at least. And yeah. then there's another point where they say, 40 Frenchmen can't be wrong." Sure. Yeah, if enough people are together. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But that's the thing. It's a yeah. mob mentality. Like, it's just you're they drive themselves forward. And then you throw in the extra fact of who wrote this song and who was an executive producer on this movie, and that's Howard Ashman. Hmm. And Howard Ashman, at this point, was dying of AIDS. Oh, yeah. Like, a, a, gay, a gay man dying of AIDS in the early 90s who... Is the definition of the other, the one that that people were so scared of, the people with AIDS that they didn't want to touch them, to the point where it was such a big thing that Princess Diana touched people in hospital without wearing gloves. Mm -hmm. So it's really important of how impactful this song would be at the time and should still be, yeah, and should still be learned Mm -hmm. from and even just bring up bring it up with like a conversation with with the, your kids just what can happen if you follow somebody that might seem like they're know what they're doing but 
learn to think yeah. for yourself. Yeah. So that's a really big yeah. deep dive. <laughs> um, the thing I gotta add in with that song as well is uh, there's when he's waving around the mirror. It's uh, it, what color is it? The mirror, Sarah. Like the yeah. What the when he's, when he's waving it around with the electricity and whatnot. What color is what part of it? Like the the handle of the mirror. The or? well, no, like when it's shine when it's like the magic is going through it and oh, he's waving it around. So it's it's green. It's, it's okay. lime green. So <laughs> so this is a thing with with Disney is that a lot of their Disney villains have lime green surround them. Ursula had it when she was doing her mm -hmm. cauldron stuff, and now Gaston has Isn't it with the, the mirror. Poison on the I poison think, apple green too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. lime green as well. Yeah. You'll see it future. Like Scar right. has it as well. So it's lime green is a is a okay. theme. It is evil. Harry Potter does that too. Um, Just saying. <laughs> now the final thing I want to talk about with this film, final thing, and I'm gonna have a differing opinion than Brandon, mm. and that is the Stockholm Syndrome. Okay. I think it's pretty clear. No, I think that Stockholm Syndrome, if it, I don't even think that that is technically a psychological term anymore. However, um, in order for psycho St Stockholm Syndrome to take full effect, it needs a long, long period of time. Uh, there are two other Disney films that have a very clear examples of Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, and that would be uh, Tangled. Mm, okay. And and Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, okay. So both of those have very long-term captivities that actually lead to them fearing going into the outside world, going away from the person who is mm -hmm. their carer. Um, the thing is, is with Beast, yes, he's angry and and such, but I think it's the very moment that he does the fight with the wolves that's the very moment that he changes as well and I am also going to throw in an extra scene in the film I know this wasn't in the um, the Disney Plus version that I watched but the there's an extra song that was added in 2002 uh, called Human Again oh okay yeah it adds a whole other scene it actually shows an, an entire scene where um, Belle is reading to Beast, and she literally read Romeo and Juliet to him, and then he's just like, literally, he's just sitting there, just like watching her, and just like, ooh, can you read it again? And then he, and then she's like, oh, why don't you read it? And then he actually does can't remember how to read because you know, rich people in that time they don't really they have yeah. servants for that. Uh, but then she teaches him how to read in that moment, and it's just, it shows the perfect juxtaposition between him and and Gaston, because Gaston literally says, just like, oh, how could you read this? There's no pictures. Oh, women shouldn't be reading. Gives them ideas and gets them thinking, whereas yeah. Beast in that moment, he's actually encouraging her and mm -hmm. her interests as well, and giving her and supporting her in what she likes and well, but yes yeah while still technically being being the confined but even so she doesn't I don't think she feels confined because she takes him back 
at that moment too. So she's choosing when to she go does there leave. And she yeah, and she does leave as well. Yeah. And so it, the confinement is very unrestrictive mm. as well. So it's, it's but again, I still I feel Stockholm syndrome. I look at the other two examples mm -hmm. that I listed as being far mm -hmm. more like people look at this like always talk about Beauty and the Beast and say like change the title to Stockholm Syndrome and I'm just like it is not nearly as much as these other right. two movies maybe not as much as the other two not, movies not even close but he very clearly keeps her prisoner with the express intent of forcing her to fall in love with him before his 21st birthday mm -hmm. and then as a result of his actions of doing so she whether it's legitimate or not falls in love with him based off what he did to keep mm -hmm. her like prisoner essentially so like it's worthy yeah. of debate yeah. i yeah. agree but it is not a one-sided debate no no of course not but mm -hmm. i like i'm firmly on the stockholm syndrome side of things like she she was his prisoner mm -hmm. and his express intent was to force her to fall in love with him and she did so i think he <laughs> did his job i am in the middle here and can see both of your sides but i just love the story, so I don't want it to be Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's I want to believe in yeah. the fairy tale. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go to the actual one, uh, I got some notes. As, you'll on as I'm sure, I I know, I know you do. That's why I'm not talking about the actual story. I mean. Yeah, so that that that's far it's different. It's certainly not as yeah. grotesque as previous ones, though. I will say, but we'll get into it. This is true. This is true. Yeah. All right, so that is my deep dive. I, you know, got very deep there in certain parts, but yeah. On to fun facts and trivia with Sarah. All right, so um, I will confess right off the bat that my fun facts, not necessarily in order, um, even less so than normal, simply because I was doing this all on my phone while watching my two-year-old. So... Might be, I might talk about one part of a movie and then revisit it, but whatever. It'll work. Yeah. Um, so It'll the work. very first thing I have is um, Disney likes to use color to symbolize things. And you'll notice in the beginning of the movie, Belle is the only person in the village who wears blue. And it symbolizes mm. she doesn't fit in. Also symbolizing that she is mm. blue. Like, she's sad. She doesn't fit in. She doesn't have any friends. And her dad she assumes when she says she's lonely, that means she needs a man, which is very sexist and yeah. chauvinistic. Um, but who ends up wearing blue later? The Beast. Dum dum dum. And, that, that's yeah. true. And then yeah. while he's wearing blue, she's wearing yellow to show that she is no longer blue. She is happy because yellow typically a pretty happy color. Uh, she actually wears a color in between. She oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole progression, but. The dress we all know her for is definitely the yellow one. Yep, yeah, that, this is very true. Uh, she is the first brown-haired Disney princess. Yeah, a lot and of blondes. And redhead. Oh yeah, and I guess brunette with like well black. Yes. Snow White. Yeah, they touch on everything but brown mm. until they get to Belle. Um, Zach touched on the song Human Again that was originally written they didn't use it but I guess they added it later mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they really liked it in the in the Broadway mm-hmm. version. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I did mention, and we've already touched on this, it was the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture and did lose to Silence of the Lambs, which, you know, I get it. Yeah. A, yeah. That one did, a, did, did the grand yeah, slam I'm that year. I'm not a big, scary yeah. movie person, uh, but I have watched Silence of the Lambs, and it is a good movie. Um, yeah. Oh, brilliant. I should make you guys watch scary Mm-mm. movie one I don't do that. What? A scary movie or scary movie? A scary movie. Scary movie yeah, doesn't count. That's fun. <laughs> no, well, to both. I'm just making part. sure. That's that good. I don't watch scary movies. Can't do it. Um, we have an Easter egg during Gaston's death scene. Uh, when he's falling from the castle, you can see tiny skulls in his eye really, really quickly. Uh, apparently too quickly to notice with the naked eye. And it's meant to indicate yep, that he does indeed die from his fall. Which, I mean, nobody really doubted, but yeah, he died. Mm-hmm. Um, Walt Disney had started thinking about making Beauty and the Beast all the way back in 1940. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's quite a Yeah, it tale. was originally planned to be a non-musical, but we'll touch on that more in a minute. Um, the Beast's name is hotly contested people say that his name is adam Mm -hmm. people say that that's revealed in the broadway show people say that that's revealed somewhere else some say he doesn't have a name at all the people who made beauty and the beast say we did not give him a name but we're okay with people calling him adam like Mm -hmm. whatever yeah really but he it's better than prince charming he is the beast as of this movie um this Mm -hmm. one took 600 artists to make a lot of artists, a lot of artists. Into making these movies. Yeah. Yeah. And considering that it also used uh, used uh, uh, computer technology for the for the painting and like yeah. the filling in. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, the scene where Belle and the prince are waltzing may seem a little familiar because it is the same dance as in Sleeping Beauty, which we haven't watched for this podcast yeah. yet, but they reused the animation. Hmm. At, wow. At yeah. the very end. Yeah, when okay. it's Bella and the Prince. That's yeah. why. I... L- literally, if you look closely enough at it, the face is still Prince Philip, and they're just with a ponytail. Yeah, Disney likes to reuse their animation. <laughs> yeah, wait until yeah. we get to Robin Hood. Um, it was the first animated film to make over $100 million. Very successful movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was originally, like I said, planned to be a non-musical. Linda Wolverton was brought in to write the script, but it was too depressing And then The Little Mermaid was really successful, so they decided to make a musical. This is what she said about it. In the middle of our process, The Little Mermaid premiered, and that changed everything. She said this to the LA Times. She said the concept of the musical, the Broadway musical, brought to animation by Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. So I was flown to Disney in Florida to meet with Howard. Howard and I just clicked. In a hotel room in Fishkill, New York, Howard and I pretty much conjured up this version of Beauty and the Beast. Howard and I never clashed. I was his student. He taught me everything I know about musicals. So that's how we got to meet yeah. him. That, that's, yeah. L- literally, like, it got to the point where, where Howard Ashman, like I said, w- became executive producer mm-hmm. of the film. Yeah. So as a, which is really crazy, as a lyricist to move up yeah. to that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what actor, Zach maybe knows this, but if he doesn't, he can guess. But Brandon, you can guess too. Who do you think did the Chinese dub of The Beast? Chinese. Yeah. Jackie Chan. He even sings the songs. You can find videos online. That's awesome. 
I was aware of this as well. But Jackie I mean, Chan like, is the coolest yeah. ever. And considering again, ninety one. This is was that before uh, uh, Rumble at the Bronx? Oh boy, I don't know. Like when? Okay, when when is Rush Hour? Rush Hour is ninety four. Okay. Ninety five. Okay, so I'm just considering his his Hollywood mm. career. It's definitely after Drunken Master mm. for sure. Yeah, it was, well, it's definitely after Drunken Master, so. which is my probably one of my favorite classic Jackie Chan's. Well, it it is the best Jackie down. Chan movie ever. I haven't seen the whole I haven't seen the whole movie. I've just seen scenes, but it's oh. everybody knows that, that Drunken Master oh. is the ultimate Jackie Chan yeah, movie. Yeah, I remember my uncle Chad used to show me like all Jackie Chan films and stuff. My uncle Chad gave me a lot of like my pop culture education. Really, like he showed me like if I was gonna be exposed to her fandom, it was probably Uncle Chad mm. that showed me. Mm. And yeah, he showed me that. Nice. It was pretty good. It's a pretty good fandom to have. Jackie Chan is quite yeah. brilliant. Yeah, we'd watch all of his like Drunken Master, all the other ones. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I love Jackie yeah. Chan. <laughs> uh, was that a guess or did you know that? I knew. I know I, no, you. Knew. I didn't. Okay. I didn't cool. know that. Good guess. Though. I I I guessed. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so many people remember that the title song from Beauty and the Beast took home the Best Original Song Oscar in 92, uh, but three songs were nominated. Belle and Be Our Guest were also nominated. So the other two poor songs in that category were When You're Alone from Hook and Everything I Do, I Do It For You from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I wouldn't have wanted to be nominated against three songs against from Beauty the and the movie. Beast. Like, clearly it's Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. That happens sometimes, and it's always like, yeah. man, that's, they, that's they, just unfair. They did change the ruling for the best song category did uh, in the past five it? years. Okay. Uh, I believe only one song can be nominated for a movie I'm pretty nowadays. sure they nominated... Uh, and it, there, there's some very specific nomination processes that, that go in with it. That's yeah. made it far harder for a, for a, a musical to Didn't sweep. Didn't they do two from Encanto last year, though? No, no, it was oh, only they one. Just performed only one, and people were really weirded out. Yeah, they performed more than one because Bruno was such a big it. thing. Yeah. Uh, but so yeah, I, I, didn't I didn't watch so it. Bad. So, um, okay. yeah, well, to to perform a madrigal in uh, in live is not no, an easy thing. No, but it would have been yeah. awesome, um, way better than what they did. It would have been. I would rather yeah. they just didn't do um, it than do what they did. And anyways, <laughs> yeah, it was really. They were really a lot of people were really sad that that Bruno didn't yeah. get nominated as opposed to uh, Dos Orgitos. That song is also really good. It is quite lovely. Yeah. Um. All right. So Beast, he is made up of several different animals. That's why he doesn't look like one in particular. He's got the mane of a lion, the beard and head of a buffalo, the brow of a gorilla, the eyes of a human, the tusks of a wild boar, the body of a bear, and the legs and tail of a wolf, and a little something extra. Animator Glenn Keane claims that the Beast actually has a rainbow bum, but nobody knows that but Belle. Mm. Well, I definitely saw saw the yeah. Buffalo oh yeah, one, absolutely. Man. Yeah, that was my main. That's the that's the animal yeah, I always totally. Think. Yeah, well, uh, I, not as much. I don't think it's not even spe like specifically like an American buffalo. It was more of a, of a African mm, wildebeest. Mm, okay. Oh. Yeah, I can see lines. that. Like right. you know what killed Mufasa. Yeah. That's that's fair. I still see like traditional buffalo yeah. in him. Mm -hmm. Like he looks like a he looks like a bison yeah, to totally. me. Totally. Yeah. I don't know uh, much about the rainbow bum part, but there was a quote from him <laughs> that I found in an article, so I don't know. But 
You know that's just like the animators just just have a bunch of like secret pictures of his like yeah. rainbow yeah. butt. Yeah. Um, Glenn Keane also wished that the beast had stayed a beast instead of transforming into his princely human form. He didn't want him to transform. Mm. Uh, to help bridge the gap, he penned mm. a funny line for Belle to say at the end. Um, they had her record it, saying, "Do you think you could grow a beard?" To him. Um, but it didn't. <laughs> it didn't <happen. laughs> That's no. funny. I don't think I don't think they could they they shouldn't have no. kept him a beard. But the grow a beard part would have been funny. That would have been hilarious, yeah. yeah. Um so Angela Lansbury, voice of Mrs. Potts. I have a lot to say about Angela Lansbury when we get to the cast part. Just know I love her very much. Very much. Um she heard the demo <laughs> of Beauty and the Beast and it was originally kind of more like a rock song. Uh, according to an article she or an interview she did for the Huffington Post, she says, I told them this is a sweet message, but this really isn't my style. Are you sure you want me to do this? So they just were like, you sing it how you want to sing it. And she created it in her <laughs> head the way a little English teapot would sing it. And producer Don Hahn said that Lansbury went into the booth and sang Beauty and the Beast from beginning to end and nailed it. And they used her first take. Wow. Angela Lansbury. Yeah. I, well, I think it was also really cool that with that one, because again, yes, first take, but they were not planning on it being her being the one to sing it. I think it was just supposed to be a placeholder and before they got some, something else to sing. I don't sing know. It. I didn't see anything about or that. It just said like, that they wanted her to do it. But freaked out the way she did it. I can't imagine it being a rock song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. No, that'd be weird. Yeah. Yep, really weird. Um, you have to squint to see this but when Maurice gets lost in the woods one of the road signs that he sees is pointing the way towards Anaheim which is where Disneyland is Anaheim yeah yeah that's funny. um as we mentioned Belle is in her 20s and Paige O'Hara loved that she got to play uh the first princess that was in her 20s like the first princess who's a legitimate age to be getting married yeah um and then Belle was sort of inspired by Katherine Hepburn in Little Women. Um, screenwriter Linda okay. Wolverton said, There's a lot of Katherine Hepburn in Belle, but the character of Joe is more tomboyish. Both were strong, active women who loved to read and wanted more than life was offering them. I also love Little Women. Also, another thing influenced by my <laughs> sister, she, fun fact, collects copies of Little Women and has very many of them. Um, so I kind of liked oh. this little tidbit. I thought it was interesting. Um, Mrs. Potts was originally going to be called Mrs. Chamomile because it's <laughs> relaxing and soothing. And it has to deal with tea pots. Yes. And Lumiere was going to be called Chandal, like a chandelier. Um, but both of them, mm. they were like, ah, oh, these are too hard to say. So they went with Mrs. Potts and Lumiere. Literally meaning yeah. light. Um, yeah. Belle is the second Disney pr- princess who isn't royal born first one being Cinderella mm-hmm. okay, and here yeah. I have a little little short dive into the original story for you La Belle et la Bête shorter than last time I'm sure by Gabrielle Suzanne Barbeau de Viennwave very long name um, mm-hmm. Belle has siblings in the original uh, she is the beautiful one and also the least greedy and just generally the best person out of her siblings um, she has brothers and sisters um, in it, her father is a merchant, but he loses everything, and they're like down and out, whatever. 
Sorry, say that again? Yes. Uh, Destitute. destitute. Um, He ends up at the Beast's palace, like, fairly similarly to the movie, and she ends up taking her father's place because he comes back and is like, somebody has to go. Her siblings argue over it. Her sisters are very vapid, but she's like, I'll do it. (laughs) So she goes. She dreams every night of a handsome prince, and a fairy comes in her dreams and tells her not to focus on appearance. Um, And the Beast proposes to her every single night, but she says no. Um, eventually, she goes home. She gets two months to go home to see her sisters get married. And then she has this feeling that the beast is dying. So she goes back to check on him, and sure enough, he's dying. So she, like, nurses him back to health and falls asleep next to him. And when she wakes up, he's the prince from her dream. Wow, mm-hmm. yay, he's a human again. <laughs> and she agrees to marry him, but then his mom shows up. And she's super mad that Belle is not noble-born. She's like... This girl's not good enough for you, dude. Um, So then she gets to hear his backstory. His father died. His mother waged war so that they could protect their kingdom. um, And they end up cursed by the evil fairy. Um, She tries to seduce the beast, and he's, like, not interested. So she turns him into the beast and tells him that he can only be made human again if he falls in love. Or if someone falls in love with him, I suppose. So... The fairy, non-evil, shows up and lets the queen know, oh, you know what? Belle is noble-born because she's actually your niece. Because her real father was your brother and her real mother was my sister. So Belle is actually the daughter of the queen's brother and the fairy's sister. So she is nobility. She is also the beast's cousin. But it's all okay now. So then they get married. (laughs) <laughs> so that's like the worst part of this one is just that they're family getting married but that's some Oscar Wilde yeah. stuff right there but like overall <laughs> yeah. compared to the other fairy tales not the worst yeah, not uh, back mm-hmm. then cousins getting married not a big deal so mm-hmm. yeah and then that story has been adapted and adapted and adapted people change a lot of things about it obviously they had a TV yeah. show with Susan Sarandon yeah. at one point oh really there have been some interesting yeah. things yeah. All right, and now into cast and special note for crew because I had to touch a bit on Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, leaning heavily on the Howard Ashman side of things. So they wrote mm. music together for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, as well as Little Shop of Horrors. Not Disney, but they did that together. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ashman died before they could finish Aladdin, so Tim Rice helped Menken finish that one. Um, Ashman mm. acted as a young child. And then he got started in writing and directing plays and then was brought to Disney through Oliver and Company. Um, He wrote, I believe, only one song for that one. I think that's what I saw. I didn't write it down. Um, He was brought in on The Little Mermaid and won awards. And then he was a driving force behind the Renaissance, even though he only lived till 91. Um, In 1988, while he was working on The Little Mermaid, Ashman pitched the idea of an animated musical adaptation of Aladdin to Disney. And after he wrote a group of songs with Alan Menken and a film treatment, a screenplay was written by Linda Wolverton, who also is the screenwriter for Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Directors John Musker and Ron Clements joined the production and the story underwent many changes, with some elements of the original treatment being dropped. Out of the 16 songs that Ashman wrote, three of them ended up in the finished film, which sadly was released after his death. During early production of Aladdin, Ashman and Mencken were approached to help reinvigorate and save the production of Beauty and the Beast, which was going nowhere as a non-musical, 
So Ashman wanted to focus on Aladdin and on his health, but he reluctantly agreed to help with Beauty and the Beast instead. Um, and it was then that his health began to decline due to his illness, but he still continued to, con uh, sorry, he still continued to finish the lyrical work on Beauty and the Beast before succumbing to AIDS, and they did screen it for him before he died because the full version of the film did come out after he passed, unfortunately, but he did get to see a version of it before he died, fortunately. Well, yeah, um, they actually also screened it at, a, at an actual film festival before he passed. Uh, it was an unfinished copy th that literally had sequences that weren't fully mm -hmm. animated yet, and he actually got to hear uh, the positive reception. It was actually like a standing ovation, like like a three or five minute strand standing ovation mm -hmm. of the film afterwards, and he got to hear about that just like, it's a hit, they love it, and, and Ashman actually said just like, yeah, of course it is. It's yeah, wonderful. It's <laughs> amazing. Kind of thing. Um, so then he passed away, and of course they dedicated the movie to him. Um, it's The dedication says, To our friend Howard, who gave a mermaid her voice and a beast his soul, we will be forever grateful. It's very hard for me to read that and not start crying because it's just very mm -hmm. beautiful and so sad that he died. Um, in May 2020, the co-director Kirk Wise said, If you had to point to one person responsible for the, the Disney renaissance, it was Howard. So, like, this guy did amazing things, and he died when he was only 40. Yeah. He did all that Oof. in that short of time. Um, along with Mencken, Ashman was the co-recipient of two Grammy Awards, two Golden Globe Awards, and two Academy Awards. So he did a lot in his very short time. Yeah. <sighs> it's just so sad. <laughs> Moving on, we're going to get into another sad part in a few minutes here, but let's do some happy ones first. Um, the voice of Belle, Paige O'Hara. Wow, what a voice. Um, this is her first movie acting credit. She played Belle many more times, probably continues to, as Disney keeps doing stuff, I'm sure. She's also... An amazing yeah, singing she's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, she was originally Broadway, of course. I feel like Disney finds a lot of people mm. on Broadway. Uh, she is in yeah. Enchanted, later Disney mm -hmm. film. Um, I kind of try mm. to just pull Dis other Disney projects for all the people. Um, or just things that mm -hmm. I personally find interesting as I'm going through their credits. So, She's also in season two of The Legend of Prince Valiant with Robbie Benson, and they fall in love. And Robbie Benson plays the Beast. Interesting. So uh, they have, or Robbie Benson has done lots of other stuff, including the show that I just mentioned. He is in The Christmas Lamb. You'll see why that matters. In a moment, he has. He's also a director. He's directed episodes of a couple of my favorite shows, Friends and Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. Classics. Mm -hmm. um, and in addition to acting and directing, he is an activist in the field of heart research, having undergone four open heart surgeries since age 28 to correct congenital aortic valve defects and related damage. And in 2012, he published a memoir recounting his medical journey and numerous surgeries. I just thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. LeFou, voiced by Jesse Corti, also in The Christmas Lamb. There are a lot of crossovers. There's also a lot of actors from this movie that were all in The Wild Thornberries. It's very interesting, mm. the crossovers interesting. you see. Uh, so Jesse Corti, he was before Beauty and the Beast on Sesame Street. He's in an episode of The Little Mermaid show. He's in three episodes of Darkwing Duck. He's in an episode of Gargoyles. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he's in All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, he's in the Hercules video game, he's in Frozen, and he's in Zootopia. He just keeps coming voice back. Voice actors, yeah. gotta love him. Uh, yeah. Voice actors are amazing. So fascinating to me. Um, Maurice was voiced by Rex Everhart. What a good name. Um, originally a theater mm -hmm. actor, Beauty and the Beast was his last film role before he sadly passed away in 2000 of lung cancer. Um, but pretty Ooh. good final film role. Well, I mean, if you're gonna go out, go out with yeah. a bang, like 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 retire or whatever. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Animation's the way to do it. So Jerry Orbach is the voice of Lumiere. He's also in Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Classic. <laughs> I know that one. He actually yeah. he, he does an entire song what in that one. What a classic film that one is. I, do I love too, that but one. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's um, quite horrible. He's also a Broadway actor, and he says that Lumiere, his inspiration, was something halfway between Maurice Chevalier and Pepe Le Pew. You hmm. want to know a, a live-action role that you could recognize him from? Hmm. Yeah, Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that puts Baby in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, Thought you'd get a crack out of that one. Yeah. Um, Chip is voiced by Bradley Pierce. Uh, he was in Return to Neverland, the Peter Pan sequel, and he's in the Little Mermaid TV series, and he was originally going to have one line in the movie, and then there was going to be, like, sound effects for him, but they wanted a child's voice in the film, which is why Chip specifically is a big role, because they wanted that ch child perspective, which... And the innocence yeah, that goes with Yeah, which sort of gives an answer to your thinking earlier about why Mrs. Potts only has one kid there. Like, they wanted a child voice. They didn't want multiple children's voices. <laughs> that would be sense. just annoying. Yeah. The voice of Cogsworth and the narrator, David Ogden Steers. He's phenomenal. Uh, he is also in oh, yeah. Pocahontas. He's in Hunchback of Notre Dame. He's in the 101 Dalmatians TV show. He's in Pocahontas 2. Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, a couple of Winnie the Pooh things. He's a Broadway actor, and, and he's from MASH. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. He's very, very good. Oh, and uh, and another Disney film live action. He was in this one Tim Allen movie, uh, Jungle oh, to Jungle. Nice. I didn't even <laughs> notice that as I was going. I know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a live-action one. Well, so I try to just touch on everything Disney that they do, but mm -hmm. there's some stuff that I don't realize well, is Disney. Yeah, so. and he, with the amount of voice work that he d did, I'm Yeah, there's really a lot hard. of credits on him. So, um, Gaston, voiced by Richard White. He's a Broadway actor and an opera actor. He only has seven acting credits. Well, you'd have to be, with the amount of, of voice, of like the vocal range for Gaston, would have to be somebody that actually yeah. knows what the heck they're doing. he's very talented. Yeah. To the point where... You know who who pl has played guest on hmm. in a in a production? Who? Hugh Jackman. Mm. Well, He'd be good. That makes sense. Hugh Jackman has played guest on in a production before uh, X Men when he sure. did it in Australia. He'd make oh, a good guest cool. on. He's got the right kind of like well, bulk to him. Yeah, the bulk, but also just the the vocal oh, yeah. range is the thing that I'm yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, pushing. Yeah. Is like anybody can be that kind of that kind of level of built. And to have that can? that level of I don't know about that. <laughs> I think that the vocal range would be really hard to, to do combined with, with the physicality. Yeah. yeah, the vocal range is impressive, absolutely. But mm -hmm. becoming built like Gaston mm -hmm. also. That, that is a lot true. of work. You know, eating five dozen yeah. eggs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he didn't do a lot on screen. 
Um, he did something about doodlebops, I believe they're called. I don't know. He had mm-hmm. an interesting IMDb page. Um, as long as you did Gaston, that's the only thing yeah. that matters. I mean, <laughs> you got your name on all these, you know, on on their Spotify yeah. things when people are yeah. listening to to Absolutely. these songs. Yeah. It's the name that comes up. Richard White. Your name yeah. is immortalized. <laughs> Very uh, non... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a common Hollywood. sounding name, Richard White. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it sounds kind of yeah. common. Ish. Like it's standard yeah. names. It's like yeah, being it's named pretty, Sarah. Pretty. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> That'd be, yeah. That would be the worst. Um, wardrobe is voiced by Joanne Worley. She was a comedian. She was like a big comedian. Like people really, really liked her. Her acts were very well known. Um, she was brought in to be like a repeat guest on a lot of like big shows. She also did for Disney Ducktales. Every time I say DuckTales, I hear my sister's voice in my head go, Ooh! <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> um, she did a Goofy movie. She did Kim Possible, Wizards of Waverly Place, and Jessie. All for Disney Channel. She also was in Murder, She Wrote, which is of note because we're going to talk about Angela Lansbury in a minute. Um, and then besides Angela Lansbury, the other actor that I narrowed in on was Mary Kay Bergman, who voiced Bimbet. Again, like I said, I forgot about Tony J, but we talked about him already. So uh, let's just say he's amazing. And I'm very sorry that I forgot about him. <laughs> but so Mary Kay Bergman, Bimbet, the three blonde girls that are in love with Gaston. This is the other very sad mm-hmm. one. So um, I'll go through her credits first. She is in Rockadoodle. I know that's not Disney, but we've discussed Don Bluth before. I'm aware of that so, one. So yeah, she's yeah. in Rockadoodle. Uh, she's not in- a great film. Sorry? It's not a good one. We can agree to disagree. <laughs> um, she's in an Ariel, or Little Mermaid, sorry, video game and show. She's in the Goofy movie. She's in Hunchback. She's in Hercules. She's in a lot of Disney video games. She's in Anastasia, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite movies of all time. And she's in Toy Story 2. She's the voice of Jessie's yodeling. Mm. Sadly, she uh, also died very young. She was only 38. Um, she mm. suffered from bipolar and generalized anxiety disorders, and uh, she sort of like cried out for help, but people didn't really listen to her because she was an entertainer and she's happy, so of course she must be fine. And she did unfortunately commit suicide right after doing a Disney show. Mm. Uh, her husband found her uh, dead in their home. So that's another really sad one, unfortunately, because she was incredibly talented also doing a lot of stuff but mm. just uh, another sign that when people are happy all the time doesn't mean they're really happy all the time and we should really check in on our friends mm-hmm. and finally Mrs. Potts voiced by Dame Angela Lansbury <laughs> um, she's in a lot of things obviously um, of particular note to me, she was in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Classic. Love it. Don't tell me you don't love it. We won't be friends anymore. <laughs> I um, actually have never seen that one. You should watch it. I'm aware good. I should see Bedknobs and Broomsticks as a Disney fan. It's very good. Um, she obviously starred in Murder, She Wrote for a really long time. 
Um, she, I learned this in looking at her IMDb credits, was in a 1982 TV movie of Sweeney Todd. She played Mrs. Lovett, and I would like to watch that now because that I love Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Mrs. Lovett's meat pies. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have something in common. We were both in Pirates of Penzance. She played Ruth. I played Chorus. But, you know, still. <laughs> we, we got a connection. Um, she's in Anastasia. She is the Dowager Empress Marie. Mm. She's in Mary Poppins Returns. Her career has spanned over 80 years, and it's one of the longest careers in the entertainment industry ever. Mm. Um, I have a couple of things pasted in here from information of her. Uh, upon the death of Olivia de Havilland in July 2020, Lansbury became the earliest surviving Academy Award nominee and one of the last stars from the Golden Age of Hollywood cinema. It's quite the esteemed accolades for her. Yeah. Um, she has received an Honorary Academy Award, a Lifetime Achievement Award from the BAFTA, a Lifetime Achievement Tony Award, and five additional Tony Awards, six Golden Globes, and an Olivier Award. She's also been nominated for numerous other industry awards, including the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress on three occasions, and various Primetime Emmy Awards on 18 occasions, and a Grammy Award. And in 2014, she was made a Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire by Queen Elizabeth II, and she's been the subject of three biographies. Ooh. She's amazing. <laughs> and my final fun fact for you, which I think you will enjoy, her children had serious drug problems, and her daughter got involved with Charles Manson and his family. Mm. But wow. she realized it was a problem and moved them to Ireland to try to save them from all their issues, and it worked, and they were okay. But uh, yeah, her daughter um, was hanging yeah. out with the Mansons. I have one more fun fact for Angela Lansbury that just find I find very interesting considering how we regard her as you know mm -hmm. loving motherly motherly. Um. She has a character who is in the ranking of greatest uh, film villains of all time. Um, in 1962's Manchurian Candidate. Okay. So she hmm. is the primary villain in Manchurian can in, in that film. In, she is ranked number 21, and guess what she's ranked up ab above? Who? The Terminator. <laughs> oh, my. She is literally one above the Terminator. That's crazy. That's awesome. So I haven't seen that version of, of well, I haven't seen any version of Manchurian Candidate, but that's a that that that's pretty decent on the list. Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting to think about Mrs. Potts being a villainous character. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, any more fun facts? Nope, that's it. Okay. Did I miss anything else, Zach? Uh, well, I only have, like, two things left, and they're just really, m I guess, minor things. One thing I've learned recently is, um, the reason, there, there can be, a uh, seen reasoning as why Gaston was using a bow and arrow in the climax, mm -hmm. is because it was raining, his, uh, his revol his rifle, otherly known as a blunderbuss, wouldn't be effective because his shot would be wet. So... He would need to use a bow and arrow for hunting, and as an experienced hunter as himself, he knows that, he, you know, he can't afford to do a misfire. Yeah, that would make sense. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. And there's another thing that I'm surprised hasn't come up when we were talking about this, is the probably the best singular line in the film. Booty? No. Oh. No, no, no. Not word. 
Well, but, okay, but uh, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. But it's a line that Cogsworth says when um, uh, Beast is trying to figure out what to do to you know win Belle's affections, and then Cogsworth says a line where he says like, "Oh, there's the usual things: uh, flowers, chocolates, promises you don't intend to keep." Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah that that's a wonderful line. Apparently, uh, David Ogden Steers actually improvised that line <laughs> on the spot, and everybody was just his. As soon as you know, they got over their laughter with that. Yeah. They said, "Yeah, okay, we're including that." That makes sense. And yeah, that's all that I I had to add. And you know, I had written down all the different animals that Beast was, but I guess that's a pretty obvious factoid. Um, okay, so now we're gonna go over to our conclusion of this podcast so most favorite musical moment Brandon be our guest honestly like it's the most fun it's the only one that I really remember like a lot of it too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely uh, like you can um, honestly you could pick any song from this film uh, m- majority of them and it's yeah, there's no arguments to be made about like. Yeah, no, I think just be our be our guest is just like more, like recognizable. Um, with the exception of that little bit of the song, like "Beauty and the Beast," I don't right. remember the tune to any other song or even mm. the rest of that song. Mm. Um, be our guest is just the only one that sticks with me. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, there was one other factoid that that wasn't included, uh, and that was um the pop version of Beauty and the Beast in the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the male singer's name, but I know the female singers because it's Celine Dion. Mm. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head either. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Sarah, what's your favorite musical moment? Same. Be Our Guest. Be Our Guest? It's just so fun. Yeah. And, yeah, it's memorable and it's, the whole sequence is exciting and watching how they bring all of the objects to life through yeah. it. Like, it's just great. I love it. <laughs> Alright. Um, my favorite musical moment? See, here's the thing about, but for me, I wish that they included one of Ashman's songs from it. That, like, there's a there's one of the songs that was in the Broadway version that was included in, in this classics Disney CD that I had that I just absolutely loved and that's this mm. uh, song sung by the Beast called If I Can't Love Her mm. and it's just amazing and it's just it's the Beast mm. singing it forlornly for her like after she's like gone or whatever Yeah, and it's just right. really great and I wish that they included that song and then they included like a version of it in the live action one where it's just like evermore and I, I love that one too but neither I can't say either of those because they're not in this film <laughs> but for me, like I guess I definitely show, played my hand with how I feel about it, but I love the mob song. Like it's just got so many layers to it, and the vocal ranges are so good. Yeah, and it's just you know you throw in the mentality of a mob into a song. Yeah, it's just how do how do you do that? How do you how do you process that? It's just really crazy. And that's why I like that song the most. All right. So now moving on to least favorite moment. Brandon? Mm, I think um, 
Gaston is my least favorite moment. That's yeah, exactly the, the same thing I put in my notes. The song <laughs> or the character? Um, I'd like to I'd like to specify on just like I'd like to just keep it at like the character because yeah. I hate mm-hmm. the character, but I will I will specify for the sake of argument. I don't like the song part of the movie either. Mm. It's just lame. It's just like let's pump up a douche for four minutes. <laughs> yeah, but it's step and, and again it's. I understand what you're saying about that, but it's also just really important to show like what we're talking about with the way society put, pulls these characters up. Oh yeah, no, and it's, it's really cool. But yes, it is definitely uh, you know it's a fun bar or tavern tune and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think by saying something in these movies is our least favorite. Mm-hmm. Are we necessarily saying that we wish it wasn't part of the? That's movie. True. yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I am like Gaston is necessary to the movie. It yeah. is. I just don't dig it. Both, both not the sh- not the song. The character. The character, <laughs> the character is definitely necessary. He's necessary to the movie. Well, he, he just sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. just sucks. Yeah, he's a character you wish didn't exist. Yeah. But you don't want to take out of mm-hmm. the movie because he's part of it. Like, well, I mean, like you be. don't wish the character exists in society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Um, I guess Sarah, your least favorite moment is kind of the same thing you were saying. It's. Gaston, but if I narrow it down to one moment in particular, it's the surprise wedding and when he corners her in her house because oh, it's yeah. just unbelievably creepy yeah, mm-hmm. and awful. And if a man proposed marriage to me and said that he's going to make me his little wife to take care of our children and cook for him and massage his feet after he goes hunting, I would also dump him into a mud puddle because <laughs> that's not fine for me. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, like, for some reason, I just don't really like the depressed beast at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's just like, oh, just let them come. Yeah. Oh, I don't care, yeah. care about anything. I'm just gonna sit here and do nothing. I don't like it. That's just how that's I fair. feel. Yeah. On yeah. On that one. Um... Okay, so most favorite moment. Uh, Brandon? Um, I'm inclined to say be our guest again. <laughs> That's um, fair. Just because it's... But for the sake of something different, I'll say the wolf-beast fight. Ooh. That's pretty good. It was pretty badass. It. Yeah. I mean, he literally picked up a wolf and yelled in its face. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was pretty cool. So for the sake of spreading out my answers, I'll go with that. Mm-hmm. so much of it because it's so good um i love bell's outfits um i love the music i love just so much of this movie but i'm gonna the first thing that popped into my head when you said that was when bell is in the bookshop at the beginning and she hops up on the ladder and slides down and like (laughs) holds a book in her hand it's just like the bookworm in me wants to go do that yeah like slide on the ladders around the bookshop, <laughs> like, and I've never done that before because that's not really it's not safe. safe. It's like not a thing. It's even. not safe. Yeah, um, I would fall for sure because it's me. But <laughs> what you're not? Yeah, you're not dexterous. I'm uh, not coordinated in the slightest. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, for me, I definitely played my hand on this one pretty darn early in the in the podcast. My favorite moment still remains the favorite thing from my childhood is the the horror scene and the fight mm. where you know right. like the dog gets chased into the kitchen and it's just like knives fly yeah. out and the chef goes like and they're yeah. just absolutely terrified and it's just like oh my goodness it's just so hilarious yeah. I just love it to this day okay <laughs> alright so we're gonna go on to final thoughts and a letter grade I will go straight to Sarah A plus All right. I love this movie uh, even with problematic guest on, like I said, he's necessary to it. I get that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I like him, but I mean you don't want to like a villain. Mm-hmm. So no, you don't. Um, I mean there are villains that I like certainly, but <laughs> this <laughs> movie is just so good. The artwork is amazing. Like you look at the backgrounds, <laughs> just wow, it's Brilliant. so good. So yeah, A plus. I I would watch it. Over and over again. This was my first time showing it to Daisy. She loved it. Oh, oh wow. you're gonna get her to watch it a bunch more now. If she wants to, it, it she really dictates what we watch. I every once in a while, when I'm watching the movie for the podcast, will make her watch whatever I have to watch. But then she decides from there what we continue to watch. She didn't get, um, she didn't get to watch Toy Pinocchio. Story. She didn't really care for Pinocchio, but since Nobody Toy Story, cares. that's what she watches. She watches one, two, three, and four over and over and over again. She loves Toy Story. Oh, well, at least you got, you know, it's not repeating one movie. No. Four is definitely her favorite, though. That's the one we watch the most. Yes, my kids fine. love It's fine. It's not a horrible <laughs> movie to be rewatching, so uh, I'll take it. Yeah. Fair. All right. Brandon, I doubt you're going to give this an A+, but let's, let's um, hear what you got. So I want to, like, I want to give credit to the music and the artwork, obviously. Um, beautifully animated beautifully drawn uh the songs are great the voice acting is great i just don't find it very impactful to me Mm. like i don't it's almost like it's almost like similar to how i'm feeling with thor thor like love and thunder like this new one Mm -hmm. like i think it's good but it also has no impact on me to even go back and remember much of what happened Mm. i feel like if i didn't take notes I wouldn't remember so much of the plot because I just really didn't care halfway through. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit's due, but I think this falls at like B minus because it's it's good, but I don't I don't remember anything. All right, that's still is a acceptable grade coming from a non Disney fan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, uh, I'm going to give it an A. Um, because the themes are very progressive, especially considering the time period. Um, the music is absolutely brilliant. The animation is is just spectacular. There's no flaws to the animation that can be found. Yeah. In in my opinion, the the it doesn't get the plot plus because there's elements of the plot that are you know can get holes poked in them and stuff and and even I try to excuse some of them but it's just yeah it, it's not always my favorite but it still is absolutely brilliant the scores the songs is just and the characters like there's well-rounded characters thrown into it and believable characters as well yeah, yeah. so 
Yeah, it gets a firm A from me. That's fair. All right. Um, so, uh, I have to ask Brandon his question before we, before we move on. Brandon, are you a Disney fan? I uh, know. I think this is the first first Disney film that played into like my Oscar quality standards. I think, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I wouldn't say this did much to tip me in the favor of being a Disney fan. Okay. All right. So next time on our podcast, we are going back into the Pixar films, and we are going into a film that I think can be forgot and has been forgotten a bit, and that is A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. I used to love a bug's life. Oh, I love a bug's life as well. My kids, so good. my kids love it, and but it's we'll we'll, we'll not talk about bug's life yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. No, we'll wait. Okay. Good. Uh, I don't remember it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So, Sarah, you got some last minute things for us? I sure do. Uh, we would love it if you would go give us a follow on Instagram at makingadisneyfan.pod. Leave us your DMs, leave us your comments, leave us your reviews so we can hear what you think and we can answer any questions you might have. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for your listening pleasure. Um, This episode is particularly long, but that just goes to show how great Beauty and the Beast is. So I hope that you enjoyed it and you will leave us a great review so that we can get those sweet, sweet views. Yeah. All right. I have been Zach. TTFN. Ta-ta for now. I'm Brandon, and you're not. And I'm Sarah. Just keep swimming. All of our artwork is created by Becca Riley. You can go find her on Instagram at Becca Riley Art, spelled B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y Art. Our theme song was written and performed by Marcus Beveridge. You can listen to more of his music on Instagram at marcus.and.sarah.music performing alongside me, your favorite Making a Disney fan lady. We hope you'll come back for our next episode soon. Thank you for listening to Making a Disney Fan. We hope to see you next time. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.